0: actually write down when you send an invoice, what was the invoice number? What date was it? Who was it to? You know, how much is it for? Because often when people come in and we clean up their books, like I've found someone's owed $14,000 before, just from like, they thought they were paid, but they weren't because it's in a mix of all their personal stuff, you know, and that's not uncommon.
1: Hello and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched-on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin, and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialise in Google Ads, and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpos, Hummergallor, and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google Ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving, Real Housewives apologist. Alongside my love of all things pop culture, and yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. In today's episode, I'm chatting to Lauren Teal, who is a chartered accountant based in Adelaide, Australia. She's the boss lady behind The Real Teal and my personal accountant. I've been working with Lauren for about six months now, and she's revolutionized my finance game. She's passionate about empowering business owners to make smart financial decisions and to educate and empower them to be more informed and most of all, more profitable. She's not your standard accountant coming from a creative background and knows that business admin and accounting can be tedious, but so, so, so important when it comes to making smarter and more educated decisions. It can be really hard to find good people to help you in your business, and I'm so grateful that I've got an expert on my side. I cover it briefly during our chat, but I'm sure I'm the only one. I've had a couple of bad experiences with accountants in the past. I've worked with bigger accounting firms, but I always felt like I got lost in the noise or that I wasn't important enough, or I got charged for every email and phone conversation I had. So when I started this business, I put off engaging the sign for so long, and I didn't want to get burnt again. Getting help can be really expensive, let's be honest, and a big investment to make when you're just getting started. Another reason is I tend to put things off when I don't know what I'm doing, and keeping good financial records can be really hard. I absolutely love working with Lauren. She's transparent, passionate, and we clicked from the get-go. She runs her business smoothly with efficient and practical systems in place, and I'm working with a real person that gets my business goals. She's absolutely worth her weight in gold. Today, we cover how to start healthy financial habits, what to actually look for in an accountant, and what to do if you're in financial trouble, plus much, much more. Let's get stuck in. Hey Lauren, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I'm thrilled to have you here to talk about some ways to create healthy financial business habits. And before we get stuck into things, I would love to know a bit more about you and how you got started in the accounting world. Like, was it something that you were always passionate about or how did you get started? (laughs)
0: No, I um, (laughs) definitely have not always been passionate about accounting. My dad is a trained accountant, my mum is a visual artist so obviously mum's artistic creative career was way more exciting and I always wanted to be an actress actually and then a dancer and then a psychologist and so it took me a while to I suppose find my place in the world but I came to accounting out of I suppose two things. I was a performer at the Adelaide Fringe doing burlesque and met a whole bunch of amazing artists that way some of those in comedy and I was working with a guy called Craig Egan who runs Adelaide Comedy here and they're one of the biggest sort of organizers and producers of comedy in South Australia and I was working with him just you know I'm 19-20 at uni doing some spreadsheets because I knew how to do a formula or two And at the same time, studying at uni, doing tourism and event management. So, I'm also officially an accountant who can plan a party. (laughs) That's the extent of the usefulness of that degree. But anyway, the last subject of that was accounting for business, which is like, you know, accounting 101, if you like. And I'm doing it and I'm hating it and I'm crying and I'm like, this is shit. You know, what's the point of all of this? But the more that I read, I suppose, the textbook and learned about it, I went, oh my goodness. This is the language of money. This is like whether you've got money, you don't have any money, you need money. Like we all unfortunately have a connection with it in one way and often that's quite an emotional relationship. And I went, oh, my goodness, I've got this beautiful community of artists who either have heaps of it and don't know what to do with it and it seems to just slip through our fingers or are trying to get it, trying to live off of their art. And I was like, I've got a skill here and have passion actually for this like business brain, I suppose the, you know, 50% of my genetics that comes from dad. And then I've also got this amazing, like creative sphere and community that I'm connected with. And that's where really the passion comes in. So for me, this is about, I'm passionate about accounting because I can see the good that it can do in your life.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting that somehow burlesque led to Being an accountant. (laughs)
0: Yes. I'm actually considering coming out of retirement and act that's somehow about money, but I'm just playing with that idea at the moment. Yeah, right.
1: See, I would have liked full transparency before I started working with you that you officially hated and were crying about accounting when you first learned (laughs) about it. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, You now run your own business, which is the real teal. And As I mentioned in the intro, I'm one of your clients and I've been working with you for about six months now, I think. It's been about six months, six glorious months. Mm -hmm. And how did you get started? So did you go straight into running your own business or did you do work with a big four firm or how did you kind of get into being a business owner and working with other because you specialize in working with creative minded entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So how did you find, I know that you mentioned during your background that because Mm -hmm. you were working sort of in the creative industry, that was why that fueled that passion. But did you initially specialize down that track or was it something that you came
0: to kind of niche in? I suppose from that beginning, I recognized that that's where my heart was and that I had this ability or these skill sets that I could apply to my industry that I was really passionate about. But I recognized that, unfortunately, in an industry like accounting, where it's, you know, it's a profession, you can't really just walk out of your degree and be someone's accountant. And also not too many people respected, you know, 23-year-old accountant. Where's your experience? And all the letters after your name and those sorts of things. So as much as I hated that because I'm like, well, I actually do have things to offer right now. I went, you know, I'm going to have a much better base and a much better offering and value add the more experience, the more education that I get here. So I went, all right, I'm going to work for one of the biggest firms. So yes, one of the big four was where I officially started. I went for their vacation program, got a job as a graduate, stayed there for two and a half years, I think, and then have also spent some time working probably for the non-accountants. It all sounds like all the same words, but I went from accounting to tax accounting into finance. So I worked in business development in the share market with some ASX listed companies. And that was really exceptional. That's kind of where I learned the sales side of things, which was interesting as well. So I've done that. And at the same time as those adventures was studying and getting my chartered accounting qualification. So it was sort of after that point, so three or four years where I, I went, okay, I think I'm actually now in a position to make this more uh, serious more real jump and commitment to my business and what's always been my vision so I've been working on the real It was officially registered like three and a half years ago and um, so 2016 end of 2016 I registered the company name and was like right this is going to be my thing but I went from like you know five clients who are all friends at that point so I think today my register's got about 122 so wow so yeah, growth. Right. Woo! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I just want to jump back a little bit because, you know, big four accounting forms are notorious for kind of really long hours and working into the ground. Like I have quite a few friends in that field where they go straight from school to getting one of the – for lack of a better word, an internship kind of where they go through doing, studying uni and then also working at the same time. And like they can be in the office from seven till 10 at night, particularly during tax season. How did you find that, I guess, coming from a creative background as well, did that affect your mental health if you're working these really long hours and you're not able to indulge in those other passions that you've got?
0: Some days for sure, but it's almost like when you do have a passion for the arts, like you don't see you know, your circus performers or your graphic designers being like, oh, 5pm, clock off. Like, so the beautiful thing about, I was with KPMG and the beautiful thing about that firm is that it's such a tight team and culture, well, that was my experience of it anyway, that it feels like it's your business. It feels like it's your client and, you know, you're a part of a team and you got to play your part and it's not actually about they expect you to do long hours. It's that, like, their work expectation um, work quality level is so high and you're new but they throw you straight in the deep end right so you're doing what it takes to get the job done I suppose Mm. it's not like you're the most impressive the longer that you stay but at the same time it very much is a culture of like work hard play hard so yeah you know you may have worked an, an insane Thursday right but Friday come 5 30 like everyone in the firm is at the pub having a drink like I think that's the part that probably clients don't see, right? They don't know that mm. we're also hanging out all weekend and going to shows together, and you know, it's it's balanced, <laughs> just not in the same way with sort of like binge workers and then binge parties.
1: Yeah, and it's probably I think what I'm finding now in the age group of my friends who are in that field is that it's just not conducive to having a family and establishing that portion of your life. So then it's. Yeah, you can sort of do that when you're young, but the expectation mm-hmm. doesn't really go away when you then go through and need to make some changes because you don't have the
0: same ability as I think it definitely would be different. I can't speak on that from experience. Like I was, you know, early 20s going through that. So it is definitely a different phase. But I was pretty impressed. There were a couple of people who, when I was there, like even, you know, like guys are becoming dads and they took parental leave as well. So I feel like... I was lucky enough that the firm I was in was pretty flexible on that. But I I do imagine the reality of like how that impacts your career progression or whatever might be hard. Actually, I think we had one of the women on maternity leave be promoted while she was on leave. So I'm not 100% sure that that's necessarily the case in all of the firms. Yeah. But they were pretty good on that side. But it's also like, it must be hard to, you've just had you know, a baby or whatever. And it's like, oh, I have another full-time job. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The work doesn't go away.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you were saying that then you decided to start your own business. What was the impetus for that?
0: Oh, I've always
1: enjoyed your job and you liked where you were working.
0: I think I just went this amazing community of people my artists and particularly at that time it was performing artists but I did have a couple of friends who are like writers and graphic designers photographers as well and I was like they're actually running incredible businesses and some of them are making more money doing their art than I am doing accounting working in a big firm this is crazy and all of the accountants of the world seem to just not understand that or like assume because it's I don't know if it's really how they feel, but they certainly made the artists feel that it wasn't a real business. It wasn't a real job to do the arts. And, you know, they kind of belittle them in conversation and things. I was like, this just shouldn't be the way. Like this doesn't actually have to be the way. But at the same time, often the artists didn't understand, okay, yeah, but the reality is like you have to eat. So I'm sorry, we're going to have to have some commercial consideration here or we're going to have to look at other funding or, you know, like there's a balance, certainly. So I'm not a big fan of like the glorified suffering account, um, suffering accountant, <laughs> <laughs> suffering artist. <laughs> yeah, that was a stereotype. Um, yeah, <laughs> poor accountants. Oh my goodness, with their staple jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I always knew I wanted to run my own business. I think that's also just a personality thing. Like I work well with others, but I definitely do have some strong opinions and often – I don't know, growing up with dad, having run businesses, I've kind of had an early insight into boardrooms, into big decisions, you know, spoken with more CEOs than probably most kids growing up. Like that was kind of the world I was in. So I always knew that sort of job that I wanted to be in. And like, I think as a, like a manager, as a leader, as the business owner, your job's actually to work for your staff. So for me, it was like, I love being someone else's cheerleader, their mentor, their guide, their in you know, empowerment and help them to do what makes them happy and shine. So I was like, that's my skill set. And I kind of, I can do that as part of a team, but I think I can do it best for my team.
1: Yeah. And you said that you started off with five clients and now you have over 120. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive in a couple of short years. So from my personal experience, Mm -hmm. it can be really overwhelming to address the financial aspects of your business or even develop those healthy financial habits when it comes to running your own business. And from my perspective, so I've had this is my second business that I'm running now. And the first time around, and even towards the start of this time, because I'm not necessarily empowered with the right knowledge about how to keep good habits and keep the records I need to keep and things like that, mm-hmm. I stuck my head in the sand and was like, that's something I'll deal with another time. And it's obviously keeps getting worse and keeps getting worse. And you end up not knowing. The numbers in your business. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found about working with you is that you're very much proactive about the numbers help you make smarter business decisions and don't hide from them. And do you find that is something that is common among other business owners, entrepreneurs, is that finance and looking at what you're meant to do or what records you're meant to keep is just really overwhelming in general?
0: Yes, <laughs> with my clients <laughs> particularly. But you know what, I think it's actually probably across the board. It's just notorious for creatives, which is fair enough. Like it's using the other side of your brain. It's probably something that since you were young, you know, people are told, oh, you're not very good at math or spreadsheets are hard or whatever, and you've been focused on music class and art class. Like naturally, you know, we haven't necessarily grown up with that as our core strength. So I understand that it can create a lot of fear. Often money is also really emotional thing so for some people who come to me it is my business is failing like I don't want to look at the numbers because it's bloody depressing or it means I can't do this thing I want to do I can't move house or I can't separate from my partner because I'm not financially independent you know like there's a lot of big stuff like we become almost counsellors as people come and join our accounting firm as well which is beautiful yeah, a beautiful thing to share with our clients and to be able to do that, but you know, I really I really love what you said because that's what I'm trying to do. Is you can actually do things with the numbers as well. Like we probably as we pull your head out of the sand, there's going to be a bit of pain, there's going to be a bit of slap in the face with reality maybe, but also we're going to be able to move forward from that and we're going to be totally in control of it and we're going to feel really organized and for me that comes down to our core values here, right? Is I want you to be educated. So I want you to know what your numbers are and know how to manage it yourself. I want you to be empowered to make better decisions, to run better business. And I want you to be motivated. (laughs) Let's keep going. Like let's make our art our full-time job. So I think most clients, yeah, come to me in a bit of a mess, very fearful of the results that is going to come out when we do, you know, go through everything, and organise it all. But sometimes it reveals really great opportunities for them. Or actually, a surprise, you make heaps of money and we need to get you registered for GSD. Or, you know, quick let's plan for the tax bill you're probably going to get or whatever. Like it can be actually a really strong, positive thing to go through this process. And
1: even from, like, as you mentioned, it uses a different part of your brain. But even me, like I'm a very numbers-focused, very, mm-hmm. like I love looking at that sort of stuff. But even then I still find it's very overwhelming because it's like... I don't know whether I'm doing the right thing, so I'm just not going to do it at all. Or you're starting a business by the flying by the seat of your pants and suddenly you've got to establish these really, I guess, routines where you have to become really on top of things. And that's where Mm. I struggle because it's like if I don't have the coaching or the guidance or know what I'm doing, I'm just going to avoid it altogether. And so I think, like you said, people probably do come to you in a bit of a mess because... I don't know if there's a lot of good education on how to do it yourself, like oh, yeah, how yourself to do it. Yeah. There's
0: none. Like where at school do they say, oh, hey, here's how to be an entrepreneur and the like realities of what that looks like, like nowhere. I would love there to be, a, you know, six months, you know, there's like half subjects that they do, like just one semester in high school. That's like, here's what a tax file number is. Here's how to do your own tax. Here's what the different sections mean. Some of this will be applicable to you guys. Some of it won't. Like, just as a heads up, like, what do the terminologies mean? That would be amazing. But I think you've hit a really good point in terms of what I suppose I've seen in you. So you're like an A-plus student. i would be like, <laughs> yeah, here's some homework. Like, please have a go at this. Like, 20 minutes later, you're like, boom, 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 I'm done. Like, boom. That's because I like pat
1: on the nose. So I like (laughs) people going, good job, Katie. Well done.
0: Pat, pat. Isn't that so true? (laughs) And that's so true of a lot of us, though, I think, um, in this. I'm definitely like, please clap for me more. Yeah, and I (laughs) do
1: that to my husband. I'm like, just tell me you love me, and I'm amazing. He's like, why? You know that. I'm like, but I like to hear it.
0: Do it again. I'm a words of affirmation person. yeah
1: love languages me I'm words of affirmation and that would be my husband's lowest like he does not care I could tell him he's the most amazing beautiful and he'd be like whatever like I don't care care back to zero whereas I'm like (laughs) love me like I'm like a needy puppy
0: yes me too and it's also so easy and so cheap to like you just tell me I don't
1: need anything
0: no exactly So, when people
1: are in that position where they're like, I don't know whether I'm on the right track, do you think people need a bookkeeper or to get in touch with an accountant when they're first getting their business started? Or at what time is it the right time to engage with someone?
0: So, I've had a couple of people come to me early on, like before they've even really done anything in their business, which I love. And we usually book a one-hour consult and I'll usually bring them on board as a tax compliance client. So, I'll just do their interview tax as an individual or as a sole trader so we'll usually talk through it's kind of like jam-packed information 101 of running a business I give them a bunch of templates to like help them to be prepared to keep all their good records throughout the year and then once my clients are on board with me everything is fixed fee, so it all kind of includes Q&A throughout the year so I understand that people are in there we've got questions all the time but particularly in the first year when they're like what about this can I deduct this what's your thoughts on this So a one-hour consult straight up is what I would advise to anybody thinking about starting a business. I think from a, like, cost versus benefit side, while Mm. having an accountant and having, you know, accountability advisory sessions every month and whatever is obviously going to be great, it's not necessarily going to be something you can afford straight away, depending on what your business is, obviously. But I do think having, like, an initial consult, get your hot tips, get your templates, make sure that you're doing what your accountant's going to need And then I actually think having a tax accountant, as soon as you're not just employed, right, I think it's probably a good idea to make sure you've got someone on call who can go, actually, I think it's time that we register for GST or have you thought about purchasing these things for a deduction or actually, did you drive it all this year or whatever? It just helps, Mm. I think, for that peace of mind as well, like you don't have to think about it because I'm thinking about it for you. Yeah,
1: and I do like that aspect of it and I do also think that, you mentioned how it's a cost upfront that a lot of people, sometimes if they don't know whether business is going to take off or whether it's going to work, it's money hanging down on the table, putting money on the mm-hmm. table to say mm-hmm. I need advice. And that's also where I think people tend to hide away because they think it's going to be so expensive and I'm going to get gouged. And I'm the part of being had yeah. two particularly bad experiences with accountants mm-hmm. where they weren't doing what they were saying they were doing and they, for mm-hmm. example, didn't register me for GST when they should have done it 12 months ago and all these sort of things where it's like I think people Mm -hmm. have tended to be burnt by accountants and financial professionals in the past
0: yeah
1: how have you found that people have got some of that baggage tied to them as well when they come to you and they're like look I've actually had really bad experiences in the past and Mm -hmm. I don't know if I trust you yet I don't know if I trust this process yet
0: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and like I mean that's in any industry I suppose there's good, better, best, right? Like there's going to be people who But I feel are... like
1: in the accountant industry, there's that stigma against. Yeah,
0: It's also like, can I just be honest? It's like really tough when you're like, okay, I've got 120 people's deadlines. You've all got different things. Some of you've got multiple entities. Some of you don't. Some are registered for GST, some are not. So like I actually get how hard it is for accountants. Like I'm a tiny baby firm, right? But it's no excuse. So, what I've done on my end is go, okay, that's just way overwhelming for me and impossible for me to remember. Like, I think that's how accountants end up in trouble or forgetting things or things slip through the, tra- through the cracks. Because if you're not the biggest client, you're not always on my mind, right? So, the little guys get put at the bottom of the list and often forgotten about. Whereas I went, okay, I need to rely on amazing software system so like you've sort of seen Mm. some of the back end of that but like and I love it oh my gosh I love it so much and also Mm. it has saved my life and helps me to give like a really good service I think and keep everyone on top of what they're doing because a big part I mean accounting is accounting for what has happened but I think it's also accountability like from my side and your side so I'm like what do you want you want me to keep you in check all right fabulous I need a very tight calendar I need amazing to-do lists I need deadlines you've got homework. Like we're working together on this business. This isn't like I want an accountant who just does everything for me. Like, no, this is your business. You should take responsibility Mm. for your business. I will take responsibility for mine and we'll work together. Yeah.
1: On that, what do you think are some habits or tips that you've got for people just getting started to start to develop those really good habits so that when it is time for them to engage with a bookkeeper and an accountant, Mm -hmm. they can kind Mm -hmm. of say, I've done this. Yeah, I've started keeping, like, do we keep all the receipts? Do we keep a spreadsheet? Do we have mm-hmm. any, like, what do we need to keep track of?
0: Okay. I think the first thing that I think people should have when they're going to have a business, like a sole trader business particularly, which is usually where we start, is obviously you need to have your ABN registered. And then I get a separate bank account with a debit card attached. I hate credit cards, but you do you. Debit card <laughs> attached. And then I also have a savings account. So like two bank accounts, one with the card, one for savings. And can I just
1: say you sent me a list saying you need to do this now. Like you have this all in your checklist saying you you need to have this bank account with this. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Because if you do nothing else through the year, I'll be like, grab me your bank statements. And that's going to tell me everything your business did in terms of ins and outs, right? It's not perfect, there's probably a time that you took a cash payment or whatever, but, like, rather than coming to me with a box of paper I can do nothing, not nothing with, but I'm going to charge you a lot to manage, you've got a beautiful bank statement that's already organised. It's with a third party. So, I i mean, I trust the bank weirdly probably more than I trust the client's record-keeping. So I think that's um, a... <laughs> a good place to start. That's kind of your minimum. But then I so think straight really away, you separate straight your finances, away, just like boom, personal and business. I know that you are your business. So technically it's still you, but it just helps the record keeping. Right. And it also means your accountant doesn't need to know, Oh, this is Uber Eats. Oh, I went to Macca's. I went to a yeah. club.
1: Like, I had this where my first business, I was a sole trader initially and everything was just mixed in and then when it came time for me to hire someone I was like I have no idea what that is (laughs) and I probably didn't get as many deductions as I should have because it was all over the place
0: well you start making things like I don't know just don't deduct it oh I don't know like I get that a lot where we go through and I'm like mate like unless you've got your supporting evidence and you know what that is like it's really hard for me to put that through so that's probably your third thing so like number one separate bank account number two is good spreadsheets So, like, actually write down when you send an invoice. What was the invoice number? What date was it? Who was it to? You know, how much is it for? Because often when people come in and we clean up their books, like I've found someone's owed $14,000 before just from, like, they thought they were paid but they weren't because it's in a mix of all their personal stuff, you know, and that's not uncommon. Often we will come in and be like, all right, let's import all of your invoices. Now let's match them up. Oh, surprise, they're not matching because they didn't pay you. So keeping track of that is huge. And then the third one is you actually do need to keep all your receipts, but you don't have to keep them in paper format. So I just take a photo of everything. Like the second I buy it, boom, take a photo. And then I've got all my photos that are immediately backed up to Google Photos. So even if I forget to file it properly in my Google Drive, I know it's somewhere. And if I got audited later, I could go find it if I had to best practice is obviously to like have all your business invoices in one place, maybe organized by month or something. But as long as you can find it and back it up, if you need to, then that's amazing. And
1: do you think at the very beginning you need to have accounting software or is that something you can do without and just rely on spreadsheets? Or do you recommend, I know that you love Zero, so Zero is your yep. platform yep. of choice, but does someone need to, because that is again another investment in mm-hmm. a monthly mm-hmm. cost that you're paying. Mm-hmm. Do you need to do that from the very beginning or can you wait down the line, depending, I guess, pros on how many transactions you have?
0: Pros and cons on both sides, I suppose. So, I think... Definitely I recommend zero when you're at a point of like employing people or 100% if you are restructuring and you now have a company or a trust or both and probably definitely yes when you're registered for GST. Anything kind of up to that point, I could deal with it being in spreadsheets but it really comes down to like cost versus benefit again and by that it's not just the time part but, like, if using zero does not save you more than two hours a month over the course of a year, so let's just remember how much time we put into tax returns when we get to the end of the year and you've done no recording of anything, right? You're like, oh, I've got to take two days off work to get my tax prep done, right? If having zero and maintaining that properly doesn't save you, on average, two hours a month, then you probably don't need it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, the good thing about it, too, is like it informs you. So it's not just This is what spreadsheets don't do super well unless you have a sophisticated spreadsheet. You tend to just be recording what is actually happening rather than forecasting, rather than looking at reports, rather than knowing my cash flow was positive or negative this month. Why? What are the trends happening over the course of the year? What impact does it have? Was I up or down on budget? You know, those things are not necessarily built into just here was my income or my bank statement level of recording. That's just not a thing. don't have the data available to you to actually use it to spit out the other side something that helps you to make better decisions right Mm. or to roughly calculate what your tax is going to be or how much you might be able to pay yourself like those sorts of questions we get a lot and often it's like well I can't just like throw a number out there like I need good data good data in good data out
1: does everyone need a bookkeeper or can they do it themselves do you need to have a third party doing that for you
0: There is no legal requirement to have a bookkeeper or really to even have a tax accountant or an accountant or anything, you know, assuming the audience that we're speaking to, of course. But I think it's probably a smart thing to do as you build a team, right? So like in my business, I'm obviously the accountant, but I will bring in a marketing person. So that's the person that I'm going to outsource to first. And I've got somebody who's kind of working with me now casually or contracted and they'll start to come on more and more days from, say, July this year, right, so a couple of years in. I think my two biggest investments in small businesses are always accounting and marketing, firstly, unless they're obviously your jam. Like obviously you probably do not need a marketing guru to come in because that is you. Um, I think you get a bookkeeper when either you just hate it <laughs> um, you're like, I don't want to do this. Like sometimes we just feel like, I'm not going to do it. So can someone else do it? Obviously that comes a yeah. cost. But for some people, they're like, I don't care. I just, let's be real. I'm not going to do it myself.
1: And also it's a return on investment thing. The way I like to look yeah. at decisions like that is that I could spend 10 hours a month doing it myself at X amount. I value yeah. my time, or I could repurpose those hours to building my business and yeah. I think that's a good way to make decisions is, is Mm -hmm. this the best use of my time? Could I be doing another revenue generating Mm -hmm. activity instead of this?
0: Mm -hmm. Or looking after myself or getting a good night's sleep or like going to yoga. Like that's the other side of it as well. Like like I've designed my business with a lifestyle in mind so that I don't have an alarm in the morning and I want to, I aim to go to yoga at 4.30 every day. I might work after that as well, but like there's some things in my life that I want to have that I'm like, you know what, I don't want to work all of the time. So I'm going to outsource. It doesn't mean I'm going to do more work. It means I now get to meal prep or whatever. Like isn't everyone's aim kind of to like not work Meal prep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, meal prep. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Everyone's aim That's is to meal to prep. <sighs>
1: so I'm sorry, I'm holding my you up then. to
0: pay a chef to come and live with me and do that for me. <laughs>
1: So when it is time to start to engage with a professional or a third party mm-hmm. to do that for you or with mm-hmm. you, as you would say, what are some of the questions? Because as I yeah. we talked about just before is that it can be really hard to develop that trusting relationship between you and someone that you're like legitimately paying quite a bit of money to <laughs> each year to help you. So you do need to, it does actually need to be saving you time. It needs to be compliant. What are some okay. of the things that apart from the fact are like, are you an accountant? What sort mm. of questions can you ask someone when you're looking or what should you be looking for, like a personality match or should you be looking for someone that's worked with businesses like yours before, is specialising in something? Like, mm. tell me, tell me.
0: Best thing? <laughs> Not I that mean, changing accountants. i accountants. No, no. If I was trying to choose someone, right, I would obviously first be asking friends, family, other people in my industry, my network, they use so I feel like word of mouth is really important because it's such a trust-based relationship and that's really hard that yeah. I can make the most beautiful website which I think I have but ultimately <laughs> it is could beautiful say anything like that could say anything though so I think checking in with like existing clients or past clients even like way did you go to that accountant? Why did you leave that accountant? What was your experience? It doesn't actually mean like if that person left, it doesn't actually mean it's a bad accountant. That just might not have been the right vibe. They might be like, oh, they email me all the time. And you're like, oh, fantastic. I want one who stops calling me, you know, whatever. Everyone's got a different communication preference, different needs in that sense. So if they've got good reviews and they've got good like google reviews or actual sort of word of mouth reviews I think that's an excellent place to start so taking recommendations then I think having like video or face-to-face meeting is or even a phone call like you can tell someone's vibe from a call so when you're choosing an accountant you're kind of choosing a I think ideally a partner for life right it might not work out like all relationships, but let's aim for forever, right? So you want to be picking someone who's going to be with you, you hope, for every new business that you have. When you sell a business, when you decide to close your company, when you need to move states, when your personal relationship comes together or breaks down or whatever, like we're kind of like inside your lives. So You want somebody who you do intimately trust, but also who is professional and experienced and gets you. For me, I went down a specialized path in terms of like my niche market, other people. So I offer, I suppose, a depth of experience in my particular area, but I'm not going to be at all the best person to speak to about construction, accounting or something to that effect. So you might want someone who's a generalist because your partner has a very different business or industry or you know maybe you're gonna vibe differently with someone and then I think like it's almost like a baseline assumption. Obviously they need to be qualified. They need to like <laughs> you can't content and not be qualified. CPA or CA are definitely what I would recommend. And then I think you need to think about whether you fit best with a small firm or a big firm. And there's pros and cons on both, right? Like big firm you've got an entire army of people behind you. Like you got a question, we will figure it out. You know what? We'll be there till 10 p.m. figuring it out. But if you have a small firm, it's like I'm actually really invested in your business personally. I have an emotional connection with you. You speak to me every time. And you know, I'll probably still work till 10 because I give a shit about you. So I think it comes down to like what you are like as well, what your business needs, and then finding someone that's a good fit for you for the future.
1: And do you recommend working with someone local? I know this Mm -hmm. is probably a loaded question because we work interstate together. So I, for my particular needs, I don't like face-to-face meetings. I don't like having to get in the car and drive and park. And like that to me is just an added waste of my day. So I want someone that I can work with all online and not have to worry about that. So I guess I've answered my own question. That would play into, again, what you're looking for. If you like face-to-face meetings, then don't work with Lauren. But is there any need to have someone that you go face-to-face and deliver your bunch of files to?
0: If you still have paper files, then yes, because you're not <laughs> going to post them to me in a different state. But so someone someone said to me, once, when you start your own accounting firm, most of your clients will be plus or minus 10 years of your age, right? So like right now I'm about to turn 29 and yes, majority of my clients are between 20 and 40, right? So most of my clients are pretty tech savvy the nature of my industry is that they're all moving around all that sort of thing so I've built a business that means I can work from Bali if I have to get away or me and I also can have you work from wherever you want in the world and that's the kind of business that I wanted to run and I think that's helpful for my clients so if you run a business where it's very paper heavy then no you need to have somebody that is really local but I suppose it comes down to what you are willing to give, right? So like I can't sit there and literally hold your hand through stuff like we have to do a share screen or I can't take you out for lunch so much, you know, so there's some limits on how I can do my customer service or my relationship building and things. I'll just send you cookies instead. So I don't do nothing. but. Yeah, I guess I don't think it has to be local, like absolutely not. I'm much more of the view of like get the right person for the job Mm. with the right tools to do that job and then you're fine.
1: And one thing I really like about you, and I don't know whether this is, I haven't experienced it before, but you split the way that I pay you into a monthly balance because what I would Mm -hmm. find in my old accounting experiences is Mm -hmm. that, In July, I would get this lump sum bill for multiple thousands of dollars and I would have to think, oh crap, I didn't expect that was coming. And then you've got to pay the tax bill on top of that. And you could be down like 10K in one quick month. Whereas what I like about you is that you have the ability to each month, I know I'm going to get debited the exact same amount. Is that something you also built into your business with the foresight? That's the way that people should be budgeting is paying for your accounting throughout the year rather than having one big lump sum in July mm-hmm. or August or whenever you lodge your taxes?
0: Yeah, so I'm very fixed on the total that I charge, right? So I'm like yes, my value is not based on your budget but because also I feel like artists, side note, will respect that. Like we've all seen that little cartoon drawing of the like horse, like here's what they want to pay for and here's what they're asking for. You know, like it's sort of like, well, accounting's my art and it's the same deal so I'm offering you X value here but... Let's try and spread out that cost. Like, I know what I'm charging you because it's fixed fee. If I manage to get your work done in 10 minutes or an hour or whatever, woo, sick profit for me. If it ends up taking me way longer than that and it's a cost, well, poor me and I need to get better and I need to train more and I need to improve my own efficiency. So it actually motivates me to run a better business and to provide better service. And it also means I'm not, like, charging you for, I think, for stupid things like oh I had to do some printing or I had to answer an email or like I don't need to waste my time tracking what I think is just customer service and being a good business person I don't track any of that I'm like let's just do the best job that we can for our client and the end result is going to tell me whether that was um, the right thing or whether we could afford that or whether we need to improve so the payment plan side is where I am flexible with my clients And I think it ties in, like you said, to what I recommend in the coaching program. So in that, what we're trying to do is say, yes, when you run your own business, often there is a either lumpiness to your income or at least a seasonality. Like every business, I think has got some level of, you know, trend that we can look at. And it's saying it's so much easier even personally to be like, okay, I know that I receive $800 a week and my bills are... 500 or 600 or whatever it's so much harder to say I get 800 a week my bills are 400 oh except for that one that's now two grand you know Mm. that's really hard to plan for so I'm just trying to go we know what it is going to be and let's spread that out as much as you know is possible I like everything to be tidied up by the end of the financial year because it makes my accounting way easier but other than that I'm pretty happy with a sort of fixed and then flexible plan I think the other thing on it too is like cash flow. So that's actually important for my business as well because we're extremely seasonal here. And can you imagine if everybody was paying me like in July and August? Like I'd be rolling in it. I'd be like, whoo, like team trip to, you know, Vegas. And then we get to January when no one is thinking about tax. Fair enough. Like right now, everyone, you should be booking in your tax, please. But, you know, cash <laughs> gets tighter in this period. So it's, it's also a technique that I'm using in my business that I think a lot of service-based artists could use in theirs. Like not necessarily if it's so project-based, but I think getting people onto a retainer type agreement is really helpful for you managing your own cash flow too.
1: And I do like it that I know that when I'm emailing you, I don't have to Worry that you're going to send me a bill to, to answer an email. Like, I really like that aspect of yeah. it. So, I think it works. Again, like you said, when mm-hmm. you're looking for an accountant or someone that you are working with in a professional capacity, mm. they need to be someone that's your vibe. Like, that's the same when I'm working one on one with clients. If someone wants a lot of face to face, I'm not the right person for them. But if yeah. someone wants really great service and they know that they're going to get the job done no matter what, and they're flexible in terms of location and also, they don't want someone that's corporate then i'm the person for them so it depends on what you're kind yeah. of looking for in in a service partner i guess one question before we do finish up is that mm-hmm. what can you do if your financial
0: situation isn't great what are some strategies to actually get out of that cool yeah good question i think this is really number one is give yourself time so don't expect a result overnight I think that can really bring us into a discouraged, depressed perspective. Like things take time to fix and that's okay. I think it's like knowing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, even if the tunnel is a little bit long. So the first thing I would do, if you don't have an accountant, then there are also like free financial counsellors that you can speak to. If you do have enough funds to book even just one meeting to be like, what's the plan? Then definitely having someone on your side who's a professional could be worth it. If not, then I recommend having a look at what your incoming picture looks like and what your outgoing picture looks like, and see if you can get, I suppose, a margin in that, meaning like a you know a difference where obviously hopefully the incoming is more than the outgoing. If not, address whether any more income you can get. So I like the mentality of like go hustle, like bring in more. Don't cut down your costs necessarily unless you know you're being really crazy with that but I'm much more motivated like our problem solving brain wants to solve a problem so give it the problem of how to make more money not how to cut costs so that's worked really well for me personally and for a couple of my other clients as well number two is like with that create your budget like know what it is that you're going to spend and like you said like over a course of a year so if you do get charged by your accountant in a big lump sum spread it mentally over 12 months and save up for that cost. Have a different bank account that's a buffer account. Cut up your credit card, like they're just a nightmare. If you want to know why, please read to the Barefoot Investor. But generally, I just think they're quite dangerous.
1: What about if you like the points though and you pay it off every month?
0: (laughs) Well, if you can prove to me that you are already in a financially free position and very disciplined, like you are, you are a very disciplined person. So I feel like I would trust you with that. If you're not, I don't have one because I'm way too encouraging of myself. I'm like, well done you, Lauren. You deserve another holiday. Like I'm an accountant. You're better than this. I still am like, don't have one because I don't trust myself with one. So instead, what I have is a big buffer account, right, which looks like it's my savings, but it's meant to be there for like financial freedom. So my car needs fixing, I can tap into that account and then I will refill it. You know, a medical emergency. I can go to the doctors, no stress, because I've got money. It's not designed for that, sure, but it's where your credit card can get relied on. You don't need that if you have money. You only need a credit card if you're in credit, right? Like that's the point of it. I don't have money, so I'll use this magical card and then I'll be forever behind. If you're forever ahead, no problem. Go for it. Well done. You I think the other thing is like getting like clear yourself of debt, obviously. But that is Easier said than done. I know. I think if you do the, do the small ones first. So like mentally you then might have like one big one, but it's one, you're only paying off one thing. Consolidating can help, but I would chat to a professional about how you do that. Um, different interest rates and payment plans and things can come into play with that. And then once you sort of like, okay, I'd have a nice healthy buffer and that buffer can be a thousand dollars, right? That might take you a year to get to. That's fine right? You're like, cool. End of the tunnel is in a year's time and I've got a thousand in the bank. I've paid off my debts. Maybe might be five years time. Some people have got huge debts. That's fine. So, let's like get on top of those things. Then at that point, you're referring back to your now updated budget and you're going, what money do I need to put aside into which account and what can I touch and what can't I touch? So, that you're always actually planning ahead. So, I'm really proud. Usually, we can get my clients probably in the space of a year and a half like on average, from the ones we've had to come in and go, they've now actually, I will send them a tax bill and they'll be like, cool, I will pull that out of my GST savings account. Excellent, that one's from my tax savings account. And they're on top of it. So yeah, no one likes to see 10 grand leave their bank account, that hurts. But like, it was there for that reason. That wasn't your money in the first place. So I feel like that's where you want to get to. You want to have your buffer, you want to have your savings for the different purposes. If it wasn't your money in the first place, don't go spend it. And then you'll forever mm. have that level of freedom. Yeah. And I think that that's the
1: important part of also having someone on your team or as in a third party, mm. if it's not directly on your team, is that giving those sort of that advice where they can say, this is what's coming up. What sort of plans can we put in place to actually forecast for that is really helpful as well.
0: That comes back to the record keeping. That's like, we can help you so much if we've got good data, right? So if you keep tidy books which we can help you do, then we can actually be like, hey, I think you're going to be looking at this for tax time, let's say for that.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you please pimp yourself out? Where can people (laughs) get in touch with you if they want to follow you, give your handles or links or whatever you want to do?
0: Yeah. I keep a reasonably interesting Instagram for being an accountant. So, (laughs) that is the real teal one. And my email is hello at therealteal.com. And you can check out my website, which is the same, therealteal.com, because we're international, baby. Whoa! Yes, Amazing. Not really, we're totally in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Lauren. Thank you. Bye. I hope you
1: enjoyed my chat with Lauren today. If you want to connect with her, I've got her links in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I have a Facebook group called Smart Online Marketing, which I would love you to join if you're not already a member. I'm also on Instagram at Griffin underscore, but please be kind as Instagram isn't my strong suit, but I promise I'm getting better. If you could also leave a rating and review and subscribe, I would absolutely love it. That way you'll get notified when the next episode drops and I will chat to you then.